I've started noticing a trend because what I would do is I would just look at how much, before I even bought the property, how much are upstairs and upstairs going for two or three bedrooms. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hey, welcome back. It's Sarah Larby. You are listening to Where Should I Invest? And I've got a great guest and former student of mine, Amit Parkash, who has done amazing with his real estate investing and uh, has really scaled his portfolio in a matter of just a couple years. He was a former student of my Burr class and uh, took the information, took the education, applied it, implemented it, and has had a ton of success. And we hear about his journey and some of the things that he did in order to find some great tenants, to find some great deals and everything in between. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. Don't forget to leave a rating and review and also to come out to our retreats at the Inspire Beach Resort. If you are available and interested to learn and to grow and to network, it's gonna be all inclusive food, drinks. We have a local nearby hotel we are covering for everybody as well. More information, you can send me an email, sarah at sarahlarby.com, and I will send you additional information if you are interested in coming to join us for the first ever retreat, have your cake and eat it too. And it is going to be tailored to investors and entrepreneurs. So, and before we bring in Amit, I do want to talk to Dahlia about her tip of the week and what you need to know this week. Dahlia, what do we need to know about the financing world? Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. And in today's episode, I will go over what I refer to as the tip of the iceberg. When it comes to mortgage financing, we all want a great interest rate. I have seen investors make their financing decision purely based on the interest rate alone, and that's not the right way to go. The interest rate alone is what I call the tip of the iceberg. The fine print associated with the rate, as well as the potential adverse implications for your future portfolio financing of going with a lender that is offering a low rate but may not be the right lender for your portfolio, are what I refer to as the iceberg itself, which is what you need to pay attention to. Here are the things that may be hidden beneath the rate offer that you need to evaluate. Number one, ability to break the mortgage. Some low rate mortgage options are fully closed and can only be paid out if you sell the property or refinance with the current lender. Even if you want to pay the penalty to switch to another lender, under a fully closed mortgage, you won't be able to. I have seen variable rates that fall in that category as well. So do not assume that all variable rates are breakable with a three months interest penalty. Under a situation where the mortgage is fully closed and where the client no longer qualifies with the lender due to a change in their finances or the lender's guidelines, the client will not be able to take out equity with the current lender, nor be able to move to another lender unless they take on a private mortgage in a second position. This is not a good situation to be in. Number two is prepayment options. If you wish to accelerate the mortgage pay down on a property, you should pay attention to the prepayment options that allow you to top up the regular payments or make a lump sum annually. Some products allow you to go as far as doubling up your monthly payment and paying 25% of the mortgage on an annual basis. 
The lowest rate mortgage options typically have restrictions on how much you can top up your payment or pay down the mortgage annually. Number three is amortization. Many lenders would discount the rate on a shorter amortization. For example, the rate on a 25-year AM would be cheaper than a 30-year AM. For real estate investors, I suggest taking an extended amortization, and here are the reasons why. Number one, your monthly payment would be lower, and that will definitely enhance your cash flow. Number two, you can always cut down the effective amortization down to 25 years, even if you go with the 30 years initially through managing the prepayment options. Number three, interest is tax deductible. And finally, a longer amortization would improve your borrowing power for your next deal due to the lower monthly payment. The fourth and last point is that going with a lender who offers the lowest rate does not mean that the deal is financed with the lender who is right for your portfolio. Each lender has a cap on the number of properties they will finance for you. And if you exhaust that cap unintentionally through financing purely based on the rate versus choosing the lender who is right for your portfolio, you will hit a financing wall down the road uh, where you will have to inject a higher down payment or pay for higher financing costs in terms of interest and fees. To help you navigate the rate environment as well as the best mortgage options available to you as an investor to grow your portfolio, email our team at info at streetwisemortgages.com. Cheers to your success. Awesome. That was great, Dahlia. Thank you so much for the wonderful insights. Reach out to Streetwise Mortgages for more information. And if you are looking for some one-on-one consultation as well with your portfolio. And on that note, let's bring in Amit. Amit, welcome. I'm excited to have you on the show. Hi, really nice to see you. Yes, absolutely. You were in my Burr class for you know the, the entire year of 2021 and you made things happen. You've been successful and, uh, and we were talking, I'm like, I've got to have you come on my podcast and share your story and, and some of the deals that you have. Oh my God, they've been you know incredible. So I, I want to share those with the audience. But before we get into that, before you started taking my course, you know, how did you even come about wanting to invest in real estate investing? So I would say my journey, I've always been interested in real estate. Uh, I went to school, um, you know, I was renting in university like most other people do. And I'm like, what a waste of money. Um, So I'm in banking. So I've just been taking progressively more senior roles in banking, Um, you know, and I've just been renting all the time. And I've always thought like, this is such a waste of time and waste of money, frankly, uh, renting for so many years. So I started doing, uh, you know, with, you know, with my family, like some, some flips uh, and very, uh, I would say passive flips, just waiting on kind of market appreciation um, to get into, but I really wanted to get a good strategy and scale faster. So I would say kind of in the 2020 timeframe, I started looking up different real estate uh, strategies. And I think the one that really caught my eye was the Burr. Um, and then when you quickly do a real estate search on Burr, your name comes up very frequently. Oh, does it? Um, yeah. So that's actually how I found you. And then the way I actually got connected to your course was um, started listening to your podcast. Um, and I started becoming an avid listener of all your great uh, podcasts. And then through your podcast, I, I think I emailed you one time in kind of that 2020 timeframe. And I realized that you were doing a course. And from there, I was hooked. 
Awesome. Awesome. So, so you did some, some flips that sounded like, you know, it was a more of a family ordeal. Um, yeah. And then you got into the birth strategy. You took the course. Talk to us about the, maybe the first investment that you, uh, that you did that in 20 and 2020. The other thing I must say is when you, mm. when you took my course, I think it was 2021, you know, we were in the middle of a pandemic. Did, yeah. that, did that not scare you? Uh, you know, like I'm, I'm really interested in kind of the economics of things. And I, I kind of wish, you know, the timing wise, I got in actually March 2020, because I think there was a period where the interest rates came way down, but the market prices hadn't accelerated quickly enough yet. So I actually was like, oh man, is this a missed opportunity? So although I was doing a lot of research in 2020, I wish I was being more active in 2020. Um, so I was actually the other way. Like I would always think like, you know, if I think back to 2008, 2009, you know, with great um, problems, sometimes comes great opportunities, right? So I actually viewed it the other way. I thought this might be a great opportunity. Hence why I was so active. And so I would say obsessed with trying to find the right teacher and coach. And I'm so lucky that I found you. Awesome. I mean, like, I love that you said that, right? Because that, that was when I think a lot of people were scared and they were yeah. waiting on the sidelines and some of the best deals were on the market and were snagged, yeah. snagged up at that point. But, you know, in, in looking back at it, if somebody was worried about the pandemic and what's going to happen, I'll tell you, they missed out on probably two of the best years yeah. of, of real estate appreciation. Uh, and who knows if it's going to continue. I don't think it's going to continue to this extent anyways. Yeah. But, you know, it was two years of the best, I think the best two years that I've ever had in the last 10 years. But, uh, you know, sometimes you've got to look at opportunities when everyone's scared and then you've got to, you know, like that saying, right? be greedy when everybody is scared and be scared yeah. when everybody is greedy. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, so talk to us about the first, so what is the first deal that you did when you were taking the course? Yeah, so the first deal I, I did when I was taking the course and it was actually, you know, and this was part of your teaching methods and techniques was, you know, one of the things that, you know, is the first step is kind of the buy, right? So I just, okay, well, and I was actually even, I don't know if you remember, but like even the December, before I started your course, I'm like, Sarah, I know I'm part of your course. There's this deal it's close to Sudbury, kind of like some of the market fundamentals, but can you, I'm thinking of buying this today or like this week, can we meet? And you were so gracious enough to actually meet with me before the course had started. So I was kind of in that buying phase early on, but the first one I did was actually in Sudbury, which I know has had great appreciation since then. And it was, uh, you know, kind of, uh, I, I really wanted to set up a good team, right? This was something I always wanted to do. I know that's something you teach, but so I, I found a really good real estate agent, found a good property manager, found a couple of, you know, random contractors before I even thought about the properties, right? And one thing about Sudbury that really interested me was that I had a little bit of an idea of, um, you know, some of the job growth, potential job growth of mining or some of the government jobs. I knew they were doing... Um, a entertainment complex that was being built. I knew a few developers that were going down there. So I kind of saw in the next five to 10 years, some growth coming, especially with our pop, pop immigration population mm -hmm. and knowing a little bit about where some of them might go. So I thought it might be a good opportunity and pricing was still low. I think in 2020, the cap rate was still about seven and a half percent in Sudbury. So I'm like, okay, better than anything I'm seeing here, even back then. So I found a four unit building probably in like February of 2021 um, that was, a canceled deal because, you know, there were some issues with tenants. It wasn't right in the downtown. And I did the home inspection. I didn't actually, there were some issues with the home inspection, which scared me. And then the listing got pulled off the market. And as I was taking more of your course, I started learning, look, 
if you want to find some of those good deals, it can't, it's not going to be perfect. It's like knowing your must haves and nice to haves, right? Mm -hmm. And the must haves were the foundation nice to haves. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of electrical work needs to be done. Yeah. I need to, you know, replace, you know, the siding or the, get the eavesdrops or the leveling. It's not perfect, but is, is some of the must haves good. So I actually, as I was going into your course, I found that that was a canceled and expired listing contacted my agent. And even though it was off the market, it was about to come back on the market and negotiated a pretty good deal, probably in the, probably in the kind of June, July of 2021. Okay. Very cool. So, so you ended up purchasing it then in June, July, about June, July timeframe. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's awesome. And, and I like that you mentioned some of the market fundamentals, right? I mean, yeah. at like the immigration and what's happening in Sudbury and the jobs and the development and all of that stuff. So, so that's cool. So that, that was your first deal. So do you mind sharing like maybe the numbers, like how much you ended up buying it? Yeah, no it? problem. So I got it for about 368. Um, at the time, uh, the cap rate and everyone has a slightly different formula for the cap rate was about just over 7%. So, you know, the challenge with the property was the tenants, right? That was the, the big challenge with the property. But my view was even at current state, and I, and I and got all the numbers from the previous year that I'm still cash flowing at 7% cap rate, which you're not really getting in Southern Ontario. Maybe you will, but very difficult. Um, so I'm like, even if I can't get the tenants out, I'm still okay, right? And um, so the number, it was about a 7% cash rate. I think I was cash flow... 400 and change, 500 and change per month anyways, which was pretty good after the property manager and after all that. Um, so I was able to turn one of the units uh, up by 40% in rent with the market rents appreciation. And I'm actually on that same property. I'm trying to look for cash for keys opportunities or looking for opportunities to kind of incentivize them in other ways um, to move on because I think it's going to go from a 7% cap rate closer to 11 to 12%, which is very good. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, investor, we want to let you know our partners at Calvert Home Mortgage are ready to finance your next burr or flip project. Several students in my coaching program have had an exceptional experience borrowing from Calvert. Benefits include as little as 20000 down, no appraisals needed in most instances, quick funding, and they lend the assignment fee for wholesale deals as well. Right now, we're offering Calvert Home Mortgage's free Flip Burr Analyzer tool to run your numbers on deals. It's in our podcast description below, and terms and conditions do apply. Visit chmic.ca to learn more and follow them on Instagram at Calvert Home Mortgage underscore. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. So more cash flow and obviously like these types of projects, you know, they take time, right? Because you can't yeah. just expect everyone's going to take cash for keys necessarily. Like, you know, maybe, maybe you'll have to massage it in over a lot in the next few years. And, and you always have to look at a property saying, if you take those tenants on, they might be there for a long, long time. Yeah. You know, what does that look like? But I, I think even just from like what happened to that property in the last two years with, you know, the mortgage <laughs> pay down and the appreciation, like, did you end up doing a refi on it? No, I'm waiting until I get three of the tenants because um, I the, it's about doubled in value almost since when I bought it, close to doubled, right? Because yeah, duplexes in Sudbury are going for just over five now, and this is a fourplex. Yeah. But at 11% cap rate, even at 5%, I could easily get sixes or sevens, and I bought it for 378. So I'm waiting for, which I'm over the next couple of months to kind of get two or three more of the rents up, and then I'll refi it because I'll be able to take a larger chunk. So that's call it, let's just call it for even numbers, 300 grand in two years. Yeah. 
So how long would it take you <laughs> to work? No, I know a long, long time, right? So it's, it's amazing. It's a, it's a life changing understanding going on this journey is like for people that are new, it's, it's really a life changing experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of like what they don't want you to know. They don't want you to know this. The banks don't want you to know this. The, you know, schools don't want you to know this. They want you to be employees and, uh, you know, and work for 30 years and invest in RSPs. And, you know, when you're 65, you get a little money from your RSPs that of course is taxed because the government wants yeah. a portion of it as well. So let's talk about the next property because you've done a few and yep. that, in that one year mark that you were taking the course, which is... Yeah, so the next one was Peterborough. Um, so in Peterborough, I did a, uh, a duplex. The idea was to do a duplex conversion. Um, so one of the things that I also learned in Sarah's course was that bungalows are typically pretty good. Um, not all the time. I mean, you have to look at certain things like ceiling height and all that, but they're typically good candidates for what I would call a duplex conversion. But uh, I was able to get a, around the same time, like summer of last year, um, I was able to get a bungalow uh, for about 483 um, last year. Um, and one of the reasons why I picked Peterborough, other than why Sarah recommended it, <laughs> um, was just looking at the fundamentals, low vacancy rates, um, you know, job growth was pretty okay. Um, I, they had the universities there. So I really liked the market fundamentals and I've started noticing a trend. Cause what I would do is I would just look at how much before I even bought the property, how much are upstairs and downstairs going for two or three bedrooms. And again, I did the same thing. I tried to find a good, before I even decided to buy, I, I interviewed a bunch of realtors and I found the realtor that was really investor focused, um, who also was a carpenter. So it kind of, as I was looking at homes, we kind of had a two in one team going. Awesome. So I was able to find a, a property that was good. And that's actually been right now is probably my best cash flow property in my portfolio because, um, I think I cash flow about 1200 a month uh, currently on that property. Uh, and it was really because I was able to do renovate. I managed the renovations myself in terms of finding uh, a contractor and some of the other subcontractors. So I was able to do the reno for about $60,000 upstairs and downstairs. Um, and I'm getting about 2,300 upstairs and 1,700 downstairs. Um, so it, it's been a great, great uh, opportunity and great experience for me. And, and did you refinance that one? No, that one I'm doing this month. Okay. All right. And what are you estimating you'll, you'll likely get as a refi number? On the low end, seven, just under seven, maybe. Okay. Just under seven. Uh, they, the mar they're going for, bungalows of the same size are going for 820, 830. But I, I always put $100,000 a little bit low on the refi just because you know, refi and market a little bit. So I'm just saying under seven, but it's, it's fantastic, right? Like mm -hmm. 483 put in 50 and I'm getting about 700,000. That's, those are great numbers for me. So, yeah, I mean, essentially like, I think most of your money will, will come back out depending on, on what happens. Oh, with, uh, with a refi absolutely. Number. Absolutely. Yeah. You'll make that. And then, and then some, uh, and I think, and, I, and, I, and one other thing that I just want to highlight from your course is that I never used my own money from these deals. So the other thing that I big learning from your course was just unlocking existing equity. Cause I currently own a property, which I had, um, you know, I had about 80 to 90% of it paid off. Right. So, and I have another rental property uh, prior to this, which I had a lot of money into. So I think the other thing that I learned from you was I basically unlocked equity in both those homes and then use those homes for the debt, use that money for the down payment. So as you talk about 
infinity returns this i didn't really use any of my own money for this and i was unlocking existing equity which is also the big secret i think uh, people don't realize is they have a lot of money in their homes or if they have one rental property but they don't know that they can actually unlock a lot of equity and just use that money towards other purchases yeah absolutely i mean that's actually how i bought my cottage too i'm like i got a free cottage i i refied one of my rentals yeah and use that as the down payment and then airbnb you know the cottage like i don't think we're going to do it moving forward this year i think i'm well i'm moving up there for four or five months maybe. oh very nice oh you're actually you're going so you're going there for four to five months yeah i'll be oh, back in man. september living the life in may come back coming back in september but you know what i just i have so many projects that i'm doing up there anyways and yeah why like summer's so short you might as well i know be it's been a long it's been a long winter yeah. Well, you, you've been to the cottage. So if you're in the area, yeah, should, uh, yeah definitely buy and come say hi, but um, yeah. you know, so you got that. Like, what do you, what else, what else is in your portfolio these days? I mean, I feel like you've done a lot of stuff in, in the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. So I did buy pre-construction actually, well, there's two, right? Well, I did a pre-construction in Costa Rica. Um, so I was actually supposed to go this month to check that. I'm really excited about that. And that's more of a long-term retirement thing for me yeah. of how to, you know, make a little bit of money on Airbnb. It's, it's not, and that's going to be a short to medium-term rental strategy for me as part of my portfolio, but I really like the area. I got in a really good price. Uh, so that's been good. And then, yeah, um, Lakefield, which, you know, I'm sure your listeners already know about your development in Lakefield. So I'm one of the buyers on that, which I'm also looking forward to. And I think that strategy for me will be, again, short to medium term, because I just think that the market's there for short to medium term rentals. Yeah. So I ended up buying one as well. I got same. Oh, fantastic. Paid, and I'm going to do short and medium term as well. So I guess we'll, we'll be the two in there that uh, will do. Yeah, there you go. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a great property and uh, two units. And even if you do long term, it's, it's still going to do well. But yeah. I, I, I just love, I love the medium term strategy. Like it does so well in Burlington. I mean, you know, like it's, it's just, and I think that like that area just has nothing anyways, no matter what you decide to do with it, even if you're doing mid term yeah. or long term. Well, I mean, that, the thing about like, I guess, because is it close to the Quathras, that area, Lakefield? Yeah. So it's in Lakefield. So it's part of the Quarthas. It's 50. Yeah. Peterborough it's close to the 407 you know connection to the 150 like you basically take the 115 now it's connected to the 407 like there's lots of lots well the reason why I bring that up is for my rental and kind of like Lansdowne area somewhat south Peterborough I I interviewed a lot of the candidates and I would say about 10 percent of them were saying ideally they were looking for properties in Lakefield interesting specifically yeah. lakefield and i still have their contact like i kept in contact oh, with them and i said why like i'm just curious like you work around here and you know some people work um you know whether they work the university or the college they work for the city you know why lakefield they say of that whole area there's a kind of a micro market in there in terms of you know it's access to the water it's a really pretty town there's a lot of history with lakefield so it's like being close enough to everything in the Peterborough area, but having a little bit of like a vacation area there. And I still have those people as contacts because they want their, it's, it's a luxury for them. It's a luxury to live in Lakefield. Right. And they're all excited about it. So I actually have a list of people, three people actually that are interested in they're asking me to keep in touch when it's actually going to be built. And you're going to go ahead and make it short term. <laughs> well, that's, well, here, here's the thing, right? Cause I think, you know, and, and you would know, and just like learning from you actually is that thing. I'm doing the same thing as you, like, even if it's going to be, and you could probably get a premium because here's the thing. Lakefield is like the Oakville of Toronto, but it's the Oakville of Peterborough. If, if you, yeah, 
You know what I mean? So it's kind of like that upscale agreed it's on the water. It still feels like it's a smaller, like cute little town and there's nothing, no inventory for anything. There's no inventory to purchase. There's no inventory to rent. And I think you can ask for a premium because it's, it's considered that premium. So I think you have options. I mean, it's, it's good. I mean, you know, if those tenants, there's other, there's other units, right? Like you can always pass them on to another investor yeah. that's, that's in there. There's only five of them that we made, but I, I think that's, that's going to be a great project. And obviously with the, uh, the price of the housing market, you know, having bought, uh, having bought at the price that you bought, you'll do well. I'll do yeah, well. For, I'll sure. Do well. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So, so what are some of the, the maybe the, the challenges that you've experienced along the way being a newer investor? Yeah, I think one of my challenges, and again, I, I've had a little bit of it before, but um, you know, I do think the hard part about real estate. So, like we've been talking about the numbers and cap rates and all that fantastic cash flow, right? Um, they're people. Ultimately, at the end of the day, these are people, and people have problems and people have issues, right? So, um, the challenges are. You know, and it depends on your strategy, right? Like, where do you want property managers? Where do you not want property managers? But where properties you're investing yourselves, um, you have to be able to ultimately deal with people as they go through their ups and downs. We're all human at the end of the days, right? So, it, it, you know, dealing with tenants during a difficult two years, which is, has been for everybody, has been has been difficult, right? And um, a lot of learnings along the way. Um, I think my biggest learning on that piece has really been around. Um, being more flexible than I thought, right? Like I, I thought it would be better to be, um, you know, by the book and here's the process. And if they're late by a certain amount of days, issue this form. But some of that flexibility and developing those relationships have actually carried me a lot further. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would say definitely the, the hard part has been, you know, it's been a difficult two years for everybody, including some of your tenants. Um, so that's probably been my biggest challenge. Yeah, no, I think like that's well said too, because I think the relationships will carry you Further, of course, there needs to be, you know, a limit to to that. Mm. But you, you can definitely get. I find that you get your way, or we get our way, much easily, much more easily dealing with tenants yeah. or if we're a little bit flexible on some things that you're yeah. flexible on. That's not to say don't don't issue an N four or anything like that. Mm. But you know, like here's the way that I look at it: is if I had a tenant that has been, you know, a plus for the last two years, paid on time or early, and then there's like a, you know, a little blip one month and they need two extra days and they tell me in advance or something along those lines. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been okay with that provided that they have the history with me and exactly actually gets paid when it, when they said they're, you know, like if they're like, okay, I'm going to be, you know, three days late. I just want to make sure that it's there three days late and you got to tell me ahead of time, but yeah, it's a recurring pattern. Then of course it's, it's a different story, but so somebody that wants to get into the market, you know, what are some things that you can give in terms of, of maybe like three things that they can do to get started? Uh, and I'm, okay. So three key first thing is um, know the markets you want to invest in, right? So this goes back to market fundamentals. Um, now I would say pick five. This is just something I did pick five, you know, don't do too many. You'll, you'll get lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from the five, narrow it down to two or three. Like that's just what I would recommend and what worked for me. Because I think if you start chasing deals every week, uh, you, what one thing happens, you don't actually take enough time to actually learn about the market. Right. Um, so pick three to five, pick the, and just focus on those. Um, so that's one thing to do is pick your markets properly. Number two, I would say is build a team. 
my process is building a team in advance of purchasing. So I would, I interview realtors ahead of time. I start looking at off-market deals. So I do on-market off deals. There's lots of deals on Facebook, um, sorry, lots of opportunities on Facebook, off-market and wholesale um, deals that you can, you can easily join by just doing a quick search on Facebook. So that's another opportunity and another avenue, I would say, but really start building a team. Like if you're an investor, they're out there have a list of questions that you want to go to your realtor and really make sure that they understand. Like if you're looking to do a duplex curve, I'll give you an example. One of my questions would be, um, look, I, I'm looking at bungalows. Um, you know, here's some things I'm looking at, you know, and I would just play dumb, like, oh, for the basement, do you have any idea what would be required? Like, do they even have an, like an understanding of the six and a half or six foot one requirements. What, what do they really know about the egress windows, right? You know, what do they really know about shared accommodation? Have they worked with the city before, right? So I have a list of interview questions that I asked and you can right away tell from people that have no idea and are just pitching on, this is a beautiful neighborhood versus no, you know what? I've worked with the city and they won't do this. So pick your team, pick a right realtor. I also like to find, I interview um, carpenters early too, or, and just try and get a sense of who I would like. And then if it's a far location, I pick uh, property managers. So th those are kind of two things. And the third thing I would say is, is be patient. Um, uh, you know, it, I, so just going back to, you know, my journey with Sarah, when I really got active between November, December, and I think like May, June ish, when I started buying properties, I, I, I was looking for six months um, and there was deals out there. I just didn't know enough about the markets and I just didn't want to jump in or I didn't have a team because I said, okay, well, even if I buy the property, I can figure this out later, but I wanted to get everything set up. And once I was set up, I took off. Right. So I think that's, those are the three things for me. Um, and those are things that work for me. Absolutely. That, that's really well said. I mean, definitely great insight. Team, team is important, right? I think it's just a matter of, you know, when you're brand new, it's finding the right people. And I love that you have like those specific questions and it's kind of like, questions that you would ask a tenant to, to try to not yeah. break them, but just to see, you know, if, if there are certain things that you can uncover or some red flags and, you know, if they don't understand what an egress window is or like the ceiling requirements for the basement conversions or parking requirements for that yeah. town, those could be some red flags that you're dealing with somebody that may not be as experienced as you would hope. And here's the thing is if you have tons and tons and tons of experience for whatever reason, and you want to go ahead and, and hire your friend because you know what to do, that's cool. But when you're starting out, you want the other person to have that yeah. and, and expertise and hopefully be an investor themselves and have worked with many investors because, you know, it, it, there's, they're not all made equal, all the realtors. There's realtors that are very, very good with finding and connecting with homeowners that are looking for their forever home or their first home buyers or something along those lines. And then, yeah. you know, that's a very different personality and a very, very different type of uh, realtor that's going to be able to help you find investment properties. That Correct. Yep. All right. So you've got the team. What's next for you? I mean, obviously I think you, it sounds like you're doing a lot of these by yourself. You haven't really used any joint ventures or anything like that. Is that like a plan for the future? Are you going to keep doing Yeah. My, my strategy is look, nobody knows where the market's going, but I, I want to, I'm in a great position to start refining a little bit now. And as I talked about to help get that capital, so I'm going to be, my, my strategies in the next few months is to do the refis. And, you know, now that I'm have a little bit of history, I could have done them a little bit earlier, but I, I just wanted to get the rents up a little bit where I could. Um, 
you know, I do think, again, the trajectory we're on is we're obviously going to rising interest rate environment. We've already seen the first increase. I'm expecting another one in April and so forth for the next probably year. Um, so is kind of just stay active on the market, continue to look for properties. My goal and everyone's goal is a little bit different is to maximize the amount of capital that I can acquire on my own with my wife. Um, prior to jumping in that space. I, I, I'm starting to get a better understanding of the ratios and what I can do and based on my income and all of that other stuff, you know, is maximize the amount that I can actually get on my own before I start going into that other space, right? And if I do JVs, I'm not sure if I want to be an active or passive partner. It all depends on where I am. But I, before I get into that, I think there's still room for me to uh, maximize the amount of capital that I can get. So that's kind of my strategy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it sounds very similar to how I, I did it to scale, oh, okay. you know, and, and now I'm, I'm working with joint venture partners, but like, you know, when I, before I left my nine to five job, it was strictly my spouse and myself. And, you know, it was like, in a way we were able to still keep going and doing our own thing. And I, I was also so busy that I didn't want to bring in somebody else and like the joint venture partner. And I was still going to be like working like 90 hours a week. You know what can, I mean? Can I ask you a question? Yeah, of course. Would you have done JV sooner? Or would you have maximized the amount of capital you could get prior to that? I mean, I like that I built my own portfolio first. First, okay. okay. I think it helped with the cash flow. Like, could I have done it the other way around? Sure. Could I have left probably even sooner applying some JVs as well as, as my own stuff? Yeah, sure. But I was, you know, when I, when I looked at like how much I was working with a nine to five job, I was so busy that yeah. it, it wouldn't have been fair to, to I think, bring somebody in and partner with them when I like barely had an hour a week of free time. I think of it that way. And I also think of it, I'm learning every time there's a new property, there's a learning that comes with this, um, Mm -hmm. broadly speaking. So, and I also think, you know, like even something like JV contracts and how they work and all that. I think the more I learn, the more I understand, um, it'll make me a better JV partner and know exactly what I'm looking for. So I'm also trying to toe the line between maximizing the amount I can do on my own versus bringing somebody else, but also learning. Cause you have to understand this is an ongoing for me anyways, long ongoing uh, journey of learning. Everybody, right. Cause yeah. the markets will shift. The strategies that worked yesterday will likely yeah. not work again today. And that's the thing. It's, it's about pivoting and you pivot. Yeah to learn and then there's always new there's always so much to learn i mean literally you could be doing this for 40 years and you'll still be learning and the person that's like i know everything i would be scared of that person because if they are a know-it-all again i don't know if i would, I would. well and then like and just to give you an example like what like just a strategy shift and we talked a little bit about it but like you know just with the whole ltb process today why i'm starting to like short i've been doing more and more research on short to medium term rentals i know you've talked about it on your podcast as well mm-hmm. but i just think um you know supply versus demand right not a lot of people, just like Burr, maybe Burr five, six years ago, right? When you were probably doing Burrs and others, and there was so many opportunities, right? Not that many people knew about Burrs, right? So now a lot of people want to do Burrs, probably a lot of people want to do the bungalows. Like that's kind of the trend thing to do, right? But how many people are really doing short and medium-term rentals and maximizing that cash flow? Maybe they're scared of Airbnb, or I don't know, but there, there's that, I feel like there's a little bit of a opportunity here, a window to maximize that short and medium term before others catch up. Yeah, it's all it's all about pivoting. And I think that medium term yeah. rental, like because of the case law of December 2020, that allowed us to not, you know, be part of the RTA as long as you obviously, you know, yeah. follow the, the the rules and the regulations with uh with how it's booked and that kind of stuff. But 
you know, I would like, I don't like the way that the RTA and the LTB is necessarily going say, you know, am I still going to have long-term rentals? Sure. But if there's opportunities to convert some of those or to focus on that midterm rental, I, I like the control. I like to be in control. Um, and I think that there's more control with that strategy. It might be a matter of time until, you know, the government or the, the townships and, you know, maybe they make new re- regulations around it. But at this point, the, the one, the 30 days to, you know, 100, 120 days, I'll tell you, you know, the, the cash flow and yeah. the tenants from those units that I have on that midterm strategy by far exceeds everything else. Um, yeah. And it's less even hands-on than, than the Airbnb um, short-term management, but it, it's about pivoting. I mean, I think right now, you know, in many markets, like, you know, our strategy is, is starting to look at storefronts that can be converted into residential because there are going to be some, some cities that are wow. now allowing these old, you know, um, storefronts in, in areas that are in the process of being revitalized. And, and uh, you know, you, you might do so much better by turning commercial mm. space into two or three uh, residential. Uh, again, this guy being the right zoning and, and the right mm. towns and stuff like that. But like, I can tell you, you know, that I think is, is going to be a, a, a small, it's, there's going to be a small window um, to be yeah. that. And, uh, and I think that there's a huge opportunity for that. So it's just about pivoting and understanding like where, where you are in the market and what the strategies are. And I think just thinking outside of the sandbox everybody is doing the same stuff so how can you be different yeah no i agree i agree and listening to people like you and this is a bit of a psa of your course um but i think the one thing that i want people that are listening or you know you know what kind of course is this your course gives practical examples of how to do it so it's not just here's a theory here's the steps of the burr and here's how it looks like but you bring in tons of guest speakers you also highlight specific ways of how you can implement that strategy in a practical way right um for me something that really resonated was just tenants right and i'll give a quick example right um you know, I was I was able to on one of my existing properties before I did the course get a much higher a cash flow by can you know basically through one tenant leaving, which was a bit of a difficult experience. But I think a practical example that somebody could take away is say if you want to get a new tenant and you're posting an ad, you're doing it yourself on Kijiji. A very small tip that went a long way was ask four or five questions in that ad, right? One of the things that I, and having done both of just listing a regular ad and not asking the five questions is not that many people may apply, reply to your ad, but the people that do and that take their time, you basically have started to, you know, going from a really, really large list of people that are replying to your ad to a much smaller refined list, but better candidates, right? And then having those follow-up interviews and having those questions, right? So that you, what, what your course is really helpful is because it actually allows you to get better quality tenants, which then ultimately helps you in the long-term managing the properties. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's about piecing it all together, right? Because it's not just about finding tenants. It's not just about finding, you know, a good market to invest in or finding the right contractors and pricing out the rentals. It's it's being able to piece it all together to make it make sense. Right. And, and I will say, you know, kudos to you and, 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 you know, obviously you've been very successful in the course, but 
you took action, like you took it and and you ran with it and you implemented it. And I think that that's a big difference as well versus somebody that's just going to watch the course and, and, uh, you know, then not actually go ahead and implement the systems and the processes. So I want to congratulate you because I think a big part of it is being able to take action and, and, uh, actually implement what you learn. So that, that is awesome. Um, so, I mean, obviously I'd I'd love to have you back, you know, in a year from now where you're at because I, I think you, you're, you're going to be doing so many great things but uh, it is time for our lightning round are you ready to play I'm ready this week's lightning round is brought to you by complete properties if you need a great property manager to help you in the Niagara Hamilton and Burlington markets reach out to Margaret Cameron at 905-920-7886 she can also be reached at Margaret at complete pminc.com via email or the website completepropertiesinc.com. All right, here we go. Question number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book? Uh, I was going to, I thought about this, thinking about a book, but uh, I'm going to actually cop out here and say my favorite podcast, which to me is like a book, is uh, Where to Invest by Sarah Larby. Okay, that was actually my second question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but do you have a favorite maybe audio book? I did read one, but it's called The Rental Property Investing by Brandon Turner. It was, it was okay. But again, I still recommend everybody to Sarah Larby. Okay, cool. Number two, other than my podcast, thank you for, for pointing that yeah. out. I love that. But other than my podcast, because some, somebody's already listening to this, so they already yeah. my podcast. Is there another good podcast? It doesn't have to be real estate related that they can listen to as well. Yeah, there's a podcast I listen to called All In with Chamath. It's pretty good. It's um, it's it's more around the macro and the markets, what's going on. Like, but it, it's really relevant in terms of you can kind of piece it together because it really talks about what's happening broadly in um, kind of the world. But then it'll help you kind of look at trends that are happening. So it's a pretty good podcast if you're looking for a macro overview of what's happening in the world. What are markets doing? Markets are typically a good indicator of where other things are happening. So I find I like the all in podcast. Okay, awesome. Number three, what do you do for fun aside from work and real estate? I like to hike. So I love the outdoors and I love to hike. Awesome. And 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 play with my daughter. Very cool. How old's your daughter? Uh, she's five. All right, nice. Yeah. Number four, if you lost all of your assets and all of your money tomorrow, how would you start again? Uh, well, I think it's just, it's the learning, right? It's the process, right? So just figuring out, uh, just really looking at my strategy, um, looking at the market I'm in, looking at the pivot. So I have, you know, if I'm starting from point zero, what is the most effective strategy? How can I acquire the capital? How can I start? So I, I think the key is even if you lose everything, as long as you don't lose your memory, <laughs> you've lo- you have that knowledge that you can apply to future things. All right. Very well said. Number five, if somebody has $50,000 and they want to get started, how would you recommend they actually spend that money? I think $50,000, now, like I would, my, I, me personally, if I really wanted to get, like say, depending if you had a place to live, like assuming you have a place to live, there are markets out there that are still in that, you know, that could still cover a traditional down payment, right? That actually have decent cap rates. So you have to think outside the box. Sault Ste. Marie comes to mind. There's, there are markets out there that you could do it. So I would probably get out of this kind of Ontario, you know, Southern Ontario bubble and start looking for some other markets where to invest. Um, look at, you know, do the market fundamentals and do all the same steps. Just look for a cheaper property. 
Yeah, and there's other provinces too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And the other area um, I was just going to talk about is other market I'm looking really closely at is Florida. Okay. Um, I think there's some good opportunities, maybe not right on the coastline, but out of the coastline, with uh, which actually picking up in that short to medium term market as well. Very nice. Awesome. Well, Amit, it was amazing. It was great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for all of your insights. And, uh, you know, congratu- congratulations on all of your success. Yeah. Thank you uh, for being such a great uh, teacher and uh, look forward to connecting with you soon. Absolutely. And where, sorry, one last question. Where can my listeners reach out and find out more? Uh, sure. So just, you know, Amit Parkash, if you want to kind of reach out to me on Instagram, uh, I think I'm listed as Parkash, but that's, uh, that's kind of where to follow me. Okay. We'll put it in the show notes. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Thank you. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid. But as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.